Welcome to another episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. Life Group Leaders are so grateful for you. As always, joining you is Hayden and Evan. Hi, again. Again, we just had our Life Group Leader meeting, which I think went superb. You guys are just... Uh, stupendous. Uh, stupendous. You guys are a great example of uh, sacrificial leadership, and we are grateful for you guys and all you're doing for the name of Christ. Your selflessness. All you're doing to reach people for Christ, teach people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do, including that Life Group Leader meeting in this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Well, we just started a brand new sermon series, Summer on the Mount, in this sermon entitled salt and light for Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Pastor Evan, take it away. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to, uh, light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Right, well, Pastor Hayden, what was the main point to your sermon on Matthew five thirteen through 16? The main focus is that believers are responsible for visibly standing out through their good works, resulting in the world seeing our actions and giving glory to God. And that was uh, explained over three points in your sermon on your outline. One, provide a distinct influence to the world. Two, produce a noticeable presence. And three, properly understand the purpose of good works. That's good alliteration right there. I tried. Well, well, well done. I planned it. I planned to properly put... Preaching points. <laughs> preaching points. For whatever. Properly. Pri- precisely something. I can't find the last P, but yes, I have three Ps. All right. Well, provide, produce, and properly. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, point number one, provide a distinct influence to the world. I wanted to ask, how do our salty lives, as Christ calls it to be, prevent decay and corruption, provide a distinct flavor and zest? I think this is a great thing for your life groups to uh, to explore. It's just all the different ways that our lives do prevent the decay and corruption of our culture. And at least, I, you know, prevent... Maybe I'd like to use the word uh, uh, reduce or uh, prolong uh, the health of the world. I mean, prevent, we're never going to prevent it, but we are going to slow it down uh, so that God can continue his redemptive work until the day he returns. And so I think I think it's a worthwhile endeavor for us in our life groups to think about well, how do we prevent decay and corruption? It's like, well, every time you share the gospel with someone, you are preventing other conversations to take precedent over the gospel itself. And that's you know, that's a small way that is not small biblically. It's large because those are the conversations that lead people to an understanding of their sin and the need to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But a conversation uh, in itself is a small thing, uh, but does prevent decay and corruption because there's a lot of other conversations you could be having. I think it's another great thing about even church attendance. It's like, why do I want a Christian who's never going, or no, why do I want someone who's never going to get saved uh, coming to church? Because it prevents decay and corruption for an otherwise uh, lifestyle that's going to have nothing to do with God. Uh, That person could be out there doing a whole lot of other things, but yet they're here listening to the Word of God. Well, that's preventing decay and corruption in so many ways. 
when people are at church instead of doing other things, even if they will never respond to the gospel. And I can just keep going and going and going. We talked about some of the social realities of hospital, most of the hospitals and education systems, colleges uh, used to be or were founded by the church. And actually, this is a biblical principle found in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, talking about how a woman who has an unbelieving husband in, in verse 13, and he consents to live with her and instead and to leave her. And the reason why Paul says, no, no, stay with him, for the unbelieving husband is made holy right. because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy, meaning set apart. Now, this, they don't really impute any righteousness from you right, to they're them. Not, they're not saved because you're staying with your spouse. But they, they, prov- they sin less because you're right. trying to point them to biblical right. principles. You're preventing decay and corruption. And so you can even see Paul even referring to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 13 all the way to 16. Absolutely. And a flavor and zest, I mean, in, in every way that you are salting all the conversations. I think uh, Corinthians has something to say about the way Colossians 3.17. Is that what I said? Colossians 3.17 gives us um, that idea. Maybe it's not 3.17, but it's uh, let your words be seasoned with salt. What is that? I think that's I think that's in Colossians. You had in your application questions. Yeah, but is that the right one? Colossians 4, 5 through 6. Your words... Be it's Colossians 4, 5 through 6. 4, yeah. I knew it wasn't 3, because that's uh, the working passage. Uh, yeah, Colossians 4, let your words be seasoned with salt. I mean, you, you have to have a zest and, and uh, a reality that your words and your life needs to be seasoned uh, as a Christian. And, and I know that's a different metaphor in, in what the salt is, because in Matthew, you are the salt. In Colossians, the salt is... Uh, your words are seasoned by the salt, but the reality there is, is you. The salt is a zest of the earth and a flavor of the earth. And if that's you, if you are salt, then you're going to provide, uh, you're going to provide something in the way that your life looks like and tastes like to a watching world. All right. Well, point number two: produce a noticeable presence. What are some of the simple ways I can be a light? Talking about you, talk about the light of the world in that passage. What are some simple ways I can be a light in public? Well, what we should think about, at least in the way of our world and our culture, is how does what what does culture look like? What does the public look like, so to speak? You know, we have a very evil and dark culture, and so what you're always doing is providing an opportunity for light to shine through your own life, uh, and and more than just giving little uh, examples of this. I mean, think producing a noticeable difference, realizing that you have this great opportunity in our culture to let the light of Christ shine, and it is going to be—it can be awkward because you're going to be noticed. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a good example is when I was invited, or one of us were invited to go pray at that mayor's prayer breakfast, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago during the National Day of Prayer. Well, we all know sometimes ecumenical gatherings can be— uh, hard and difficult because oftentimes ecumenical events are watered down to the at least the basic fundamentals that we can all agree on which depending on what groups of churches are there that's not much you know some we can't even agree on the gospel oftentimes and so these ecumenical gatherings can really be like 
I don't know what I'm getting into. Like, if the only thing we can all agree on is that God exists, are we really going to have a profitable uh, event, you know? And that was something that I had to weigh when we were doing this uh, prayer breakfast. Now, the prayer breakfast ended up being, uh, at least the prayer parts of that breakfast were actually pretty pretty solid. And yeah, I encouraging. Think pretty encouraging. Uh, but I, you know, and Pastor Evan went there and took some of our, our men at our church, uh, and I wanted to get up there and pray because I at least knew however that whole event was going to go, I had no idea. Pastor Evan had no idea. But at least we knew the part that we were participating in was going to be a salt and light kind of opportunity. When we prayed about righteousness, and I loved it because it was the James passage in a different version than the ESV, but you know, the prayer, uh, the, the, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful as it is working. It's like that was their prayer, and I'm like, well, let's pray about righteousness and how we have righteousness, and our righteousness is not of our own. And you know, as Christ empowers us and makes us righteous through Christ, through Himself, and then He empowers us to live righteously through the Holy Spirit, then therefore our prayers could actually be righteous prayers and profitable, and then it would also cause us to walk in righteousness. Well, that was what my whole prayer was about, and so that's just a good example in my life of saying, you know, I get that it can feel awkward sometimes, and I'm thinking. No idea how this is going to go, but you ha- you need to go out there and utilize every opportunity you have to be a light. I mean, I have guys in our life group who who've been guests on podcasts. Uh, you know, people who were invited to go to their you know uh, gals at our church whose kids go to school, and there's a there's a mom's prayer group. I mean, all of those things and more and more and more more things you could do. But those are all ways that you can you can produce a noticeable presence. But the hard part about point number two is simply this. To produce a noticeable presence, you got to be public, and you got to make public decisions, and sometimes you got to stand in the midst of the pub- of public. I mean, think about the disciples in the book of Acts. I mean, they, they were just in public all the time, and it did not always go well. As a matter of fact, more times than not, it didn't go well, at least what's recorded in the book of Acts. And so it's just like, but every day they were having to make this volitional although spirit-led, decision to be public and to take chances and like their, you know, their simple ways that, at least principles, when it comes to producing a noticeable presence, you got to take chances to uh, to afford yourself the opportunity to be in the public spaces and make a difference. All right, well, there's the kind of the danger of of that where we make it instead about God, we make it about us, and that's point number three, properly understand the purpose of good works. You know, how can we ensure that our good works are done to glorify God and not to esteem ourselves in the sight of others? Yeah, I mean, to me, there's a simple answer is don't do it for yourself. If you're doing it for yourself, you're, it's, you ought not to do it or that, you know, yeah, I mean, that's hard for me. I feel like, you know, it's and it's those things as a pastor. It's like, and I know some pastors say, well, I don't know. I don't deal with that. Well, yeah, this is one of the things I really, I, I don't deal with personally. I deal with a lot of problems. But doing good works to be seen by others has just not been something that I deal with too much. Uh, and so when, when I look at this question, I'm like, just, what is the Bible? What is Matthew 5? I believe Matthew 5 is like the next chapter, right, that talks about... Matthew 6, 1. Is it Matthew 6? So, that, yeah, in, into chapter 5, which is actually chapter 6, okay? It's all, there's no chapters <laughs> and verses. There you go, whatever. All right, chapter 6 and verse 1, right? Uh, yeah, don't, don't do, don't pray publicly to be seen by others. Don't, uh, don't do good works to be seen by others. You've received your reward there. It's like, I mean, I think there's your distinction there. It's like... 
Like, what person is going to, a Christian, let's say, what Christian is going to give up rewards in heaven to be seen here? I mean, that's that's sick. You know, that's like, that is just a detriment to the Christian faith that you would do anything for yourself here in place of God. Like, that's, that's to me, this is so uh, dastardly, ap- uh, reprehensible, that it's not just that you are that you decided to, I don't know, just go do your own thing today. It's like on top of that, you tried to make something that was explicitly about God, about you. And so you can understand as a pastor why, you know, in my heart, I'm so glad God's trained that out of me or not giving me that desire. It's like, can you imagine me getting behind the pulpit and every week saying, this is about me. It's like, like that's like double evil, you know, because it's like one thing to be, you know, doing something on my for myself. It's another thing to be saying that I'm doing this for God and I'm really doing it for myself. So I just think that just think about the evilness of that, how evil you are to do something that you're saying is for God when it's really for yourself. I mean, I think that's really the condemnation that Jesus is giving there. Well, a couple of people died because of it. They did, Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. And what they did was bringing in context for life group leaders and to for your life group is, you know, people were being generous in the early church and, you know, people are selling land. So they sold all they had and, but the, they said they gave it all away to the church, but they really didn't. So they lied trying to take credit for what, you know, God yeah. is doing. And they were trying to, in, in a selfish way, have a double benefit. I get praise of man and I also get to keep some of what I have sold. And so God was like, no. Yeah, they were, I mean, it was like, hey, I, you know, I love God, looky, looky. And it's like, but I'm also, you know, pocketing some of my own money, which, you know, Peter, right? Peter, it was Peter, right? Peter wasn't condemning them for not giving all their money. He was condemning them for lying about giving all their money and trying to deceive people and deceive, trying to deceive God when, if they would have just let their hearts be made known, I mean, they would have seen that their hearts weren't fully for God, but that's the whole point of Anais and Sapphira. But it's like they weren't condemned because they didn't give all their money. They were condemned because they were trying to receive praise from man and still also receive benefits on their own because they were withholding from God publicly. And it's like, don't do that. (laughs) Point number four, don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. Okay. All right. Well, Pastor Aiden, there's a cross reference that you you had us walk through. We didn't do number three. We did. Probably understand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. I got so much more to say about that. Well, do you want? Hey, well, you want to? What more do you? As as life group leaders, help yeah. us as life group leaders. Help us lead our life groups through this. I mean, we yeah. talked about I, rewards in heaven last yeah, week. Now we're talking yeah, about good yeah. works again this yeah. week. So, well, I think what's going to help you guys so much is to, you know, address the elephant in the room. I mean, how often have people told you it's not about good works, or like it's not about what we do? I've heard that so many times, and it's like, okay. Uh, in what context? Yeah, I mean, as far as our justification goes, it's not about what we do. Absolutely. Okay. No, I think that's true. And amen. Yeah, and amen. Yeah, I think that's really true. But you give me the Bible and what it says for a Christian, for a individual's life post-conversion, and you're going to find that it's almost all about good works. I mean, I, and I, what I mean by almost all, I'm like, okay, what is righteousness and holiness? Is that act? Is that good works on our part? Yes. Okay, if I'm acting righteously, that is good works that glorify God in heaven. If people see me living for Him, 
It glorifies God. I mean, have you opened up the letter to Titus? Mm-hmm. I mean, over and over. I mean, the whole letter. I mean, go, two well, don't even just go to verse 2. I mean, uh, on my, uh, on in my ESV, it gives an introduction. Uh, let me just read. Uh, let's see. Let me see. Maybe, maybe, let's see. Maybe it doesn't have it. Uh, well, I'm going to emphasize the point. I love Titus 2, 11 through 14. You know, for the yeah. grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us Christians to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So it's mm-hmm. a here and now. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. We're looking forward to the eternal eternity with Christ, mm-hmm. who gave him who gave himself us uh, to redeem us from all, all all unlawlessness. I can't talk right now. Yeah, wow. And purify for himself a people for his own possession who, who are zealous are for good works. Zealous. And for where, good what works. what text is that? That is Titus two eleven through fourteen. Okay, well you forgot. You know, forgot. Go above that a couple verses of Titus two seven. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of. Good, good works. works. And so you have it then zealous for good works. And then uh, then literally hold chapter three. And if, in your, if you have an ESV, the whole subsection is called be ready for every good, good, good work. work. It's like, you know, in verse one, uh, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready for every good work. It's like, but, God, but here's also what Paul said to Timothy, that all scriptures breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for, for every good work. Every good work. And then still in Titus, go to you know verse 8 of chapter 3. It says, you know, uh, this saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. I mean, I'm just saying take an objective look at scripture and you're going to find that so much of the Christian life post-conversion and pre-glorification is good works in the name of Christ to the glory of the Father. And, I'm, and I can't apologize for that and say, well, well, you're preaching a different... I'm, I'm not, if you're preaching a different gospel than a gospel that changes one's life and then through the Holy Spirit, after they are saved and justified, that their life would produce good works, then you're preaching a gospel contrary to what scripture preaches because the gospel says that we are saved by grace through faith. We turn from our sins. We place our trust in Christ and that we are saved. And then after our salvation, our life is, our life is marked by good works and bearing fruit. And to kind of add to that, you know, what, what are the purpose of good works? Well, we see this in the text to, for people to see, see our, our good works, works and, and give glory, glory to God who's to in God. heaven. But what does that mean? It's because, I was actually talking through this with someone this week where it's like, why does God call us to do good works? Well, he calls us to be in his image. And so when we're doing good works, we're not doing good works that culture says are good. No, Mm -hmm. we're doing the things that God says are good because God says are good because this is what he does. And he calls us to live out like him. So when we're in rebellion, we're really his enemy. We're doing the opposite and we're actually tainting his name to right. insulting his reputation. And the Christian is supposed is, to reflect who his character is. And as we talked about R.T. France and part of the sermon was that we serve as an implementation of the reign of God here on earth. And so our good works are really a visible representation of the reign of God on earth in Christ. In, in present and to come. Yeah, and, 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 a, yeah, and a taste of what is to come in the kingdom of heaven. 
And so good works are absolutely a part of the Christian's life because good works are the part of God's existence, mm-hmm. and we are supposed to reflect who God is. And absolutely. how do we do that? Only beginning when he does the work in us by changing us and giving us his heart. And actually, that's in, I'm on a tangent, sorry, Deuteronomy yeah. chapter 30, verse 6. What does he say? And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart in the heart of your offspring so that you will love God, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your and, and live. So God's like, I have to change your heart so that you can do this. So it's all God in the first place. Right. But as you kind of mentioned, if we don't have any saltiness in our life, the question we have to ask is, am Are I salt? salt? Yeah. Is there any other Good. things you want to add to this? No, that's kind of that's where I wanted to land it. Or any uh, any uh, last comments on the cross reference of Second Corinthians two fourteen through sixteen about being an aroma? Yeah, I mean for everyone. I mean, I think I covered it well in the the sermon, but that's our job, right? We are through Christ spreading the array, the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere to all people, those who are being saved and those who aren't. There's your a good work that belongs to every Christian to share with all eight point some odd billion people in in the world. It's our job. As Bill Belichick would say, do your job. Do your job. All right. Any application pointers as we lead our groups this week? I really think these are really, really applicational application questions. Um, I mean. Not sure what that means, but I know what you mean. Well, I just think it's like, it's not just answering them, but like, I think it's like, you're going to really be able to pinpoint your life in regard to being salt and being light and how maybe you aren't doing it. And that's concerning and maybe revealing in your life. Um, and if you, even if you're a Christian and you're like, I'm not, you know, being who I am in Christ. And it's like, all right, well, we got some, we got some things we need to work on in our life. I think these questions are going to help you with that. Uh, yeah, I'm really encouraged. I'm, I, I'm excited to hear how these application questions go in your group. So nothing really to add, but re- I mean, I just really think they're going to be helpful for you guys. All right. Well, life group leaders, we just did a training. Any any remi- reminders for uh, the life groups in the yeah, training? Yeah. Uh, just the reminders are every life group uh, that is not on a Wednesday night needs to have a life group apprentice leader uh, installed by the first week in August. And so we just need to get that process going as you found people in your life group who would be great apprentices. Wednesday night life group leaders, yours needs to be installed by middle of June, and so if you haven't found some couples, we'll work on that together. We'll have those installed. Good testing ground is having them serve at VBS. <laughs> there you go. There's your, there's your shout out. Uh, but other than that, guys, you did great. Be on the lookout for another tr- uh, training on Ministry Grid that we'll create here in the near future. All right, we got seven announcements, Pastor. Are you ready to take it away? Mm, you okay. do these really well. All right, you're I'm you're smooth, you're quick. All right, I, I elaborate too long. I stumble <laughs> over my words. Like right now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, child dedications. We have our second batch of Father's Day dedica- or child dedications on Father's Day, June 18th. We still, I think, have a couple openings for that, so make sure your life group knows about that. We have our Women's Fellowship next Saturday. It's going to be a unique one because you guys aren't, there's not going to be a recap. There's not going to be a a message per se. There's going to be a devotional. And really you ladies are just going to uh, encourage one another and uh, play, you know, do some really awesome fellowships and uh, breakfast and maybe some games and and wonderful opportunities for you guys to connect uh, throughout that day. So you're not going to want to miss that May 27th, 9 to 11. Prayer night, May 28th, the very next day from 5 to 6.30 p.m., we're going to exercise our fifth distinctive, which is we have a genuine reliance on prayer. 
And then move up weekend is June the 4th through the 7th, depending on what age group you are, will depend on what date you move up. Uh, but anybody from birth to fifth grade will move up on June 4th. Uh, June 7th will be the students moving up. And then uh, Tuesday the 6th will be the seniors in high school moving up to the college-age life group. Uh, so make sure that uh, you keep that in mind and make sure that your students are in the right location on those dates. If you have any questions, please let us know. Summer Kids Camps, registration for all of our camps are open online, so don't forget to announce that to your life groups. Student Revival is open for registration. The Kingdom of Heaven is the theme, so the dates are July 27th through Sunday, July 30th. Make sure that you encourage everyone in your group who has teens to have them register. And then the last two announcements are Exploring Compass on June 4th and June 11th. It's coming up really soon. Uh, And then Baptism Services uh, are on July the 23rd. And, uh, yeah, we have a lot of people already registering for this, so don't uh, have your people in your life group miss out if they haven't registered. So make sure you announce that and encourage, implore, and exhort anyone in your life group who needs to be baptized to go ahead and do that. All right, life group, 25 minutes, and we have reached the end of our podcast. Grateful for you guys. Look forward to seeing you guys next week.